Soulmates, now it's Friday. We finally made we it. We finally Ooh, made it. Finally Friday. Here. Yeah, we're here, honey. But first, we must discuss uh, what is on topic today. We're following the latest regarding charges against R. Kelly and the young dropout looking to compete with Ticketmaster. I'm Courtney Hicks. Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. And I'm Nicole Delay-Corte. Plus, what's happening with Jay Moran following his second mm. incident with a gun and how Forrest Whitaker is helping those in need. They're the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views, our voice. You know the deal. So let's get into our top conversation for the day. Democratic Representative Jamal Bowman of New York criticized Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene for equating, quote, white supremacy premised to a racial slur. Green made the comment during a press conference at the U.S. Capitol where she introduced impeachment articles against President Joe Biden over border security. The clash occurred when Bowman and Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez demanded Republican Representative George Santos's re resignation. Bowman accused Green of engaging in demeaning rhetoric and cited her involvement with a white nationalist conference. The incident highlights the ongoing tension between the parties. And to represent Representative Bowman's point, this is why it's important for us to teach the history in school that folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene don't want to be want taught to in school, right? right? I mean, the gall to be offended by being called a white supremacist when she peddles in white supremacist ideology and goes to white nationalist conventions to speak. Don't insult our intelligence. And, and puts out so many untruths and just keeps stoking that fire, if you will, except especially for what, you know, they've been called as, as Trumplicans, uh, if you will. What What is so scary about her is that she is a part of the rank and file and she is a rising star mm -hmm. of that particular party. And people really, really lean into her and really listen to her. And I, I, and I really try to take a moment to understand, I don't know if it was 60 Minutes or some other news magazine that had like a expose on her and they you know took a look at her past and her rise and after it I, I just tried to stay real in the middle and I couldn't do it mm -hmm. she really is just way out there and it makes her very dangerous and she's a lieutenant of yep. a former president now uh, again, presidential candidate Donald Trump. Remember, mm -hmm. during the, uh, the the speaker's vote earlier this year, mm -hmm. uh, she and and President Trump were reportedly in regular conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she is a firebrand. Uh, she is always trying to start something. Always. And Representative Bowman was not having it at all. Well, moving along, civil rights attorney Ben Crump and former San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown held a press conference announcing their support for a class action lawsuit against Wells Fargo. The lawsuit alleges that Wells Fargo disproportionately denied loans to minority applicants during the COVID-19 pandemic. The complaint claims intentional denials, processing delays, and less favorable terms for non-white applicants, citing a new form of redlining. Crump emphasized how housing discrimination has hindered black Americans from building wealth. The press conference included testimonials from black Wells Fargo customers who face challenges refinancing their loans. Listen, uh, you know, Wells Fargo, along with many other banks, uh, have been, you know, 
the, the veil has been lifted. And, you know, not just with these particular loans, but, you know, just across banking period, when you talk about home loans, when you talk about mortgage, when you talk about, you know, business loans for startups. Uh, Wells Fargo, along with many other banks, uh, we're talking about Wells Fargo in this particular story, have fallen short. And the discrimination and all of that research has proven such. So, you know, big ups to uh, this particular case here, but this is actually no surprise as to blacks and banking, you know, blank, uh, banking while black. It's right. no surprise. You're right. And, and according to the National Association of Realtors, the homeowner, homeowner rate for white Americans is almost 73%, mm -hmm. whereas for black Americans, it's about 44%, right? And so there's a huge disparity right there. Yeah. And that translates in real material ways and when it comes to material wealth in our communities. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you might remember earlier this year, Wells Fargo had given a pretty significant gift to the NAACP for their new headquarters in Washington, D.C. I'm not going to say the NAACP shouldn't take that gift. I'm saying it needs to be all of the above. They need to do right, you know, and make those kinds of investments, particularly in our legacy black organizations. But they also need to do right by everyday black folks mm -hmm. in our communities that, you know, according to this complaint, uh, seem to be uh, denied in a very systematic way. Falling short. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. A black transgender organizer by the name of Banco Brown was killed by a Walgreens security guard in San Francisco while seeking food. Brown, who had been denied housing opportunities and faced homelessness, was confronted by the security guard. A scuffle ensued, leading to Brown being fatally shot. District Attorney Brooke Jenkins released footage of the incident but declined to press charges against the security guard, citing self-defense claims. The incident has sparked outrage in the community, shedding light on the challenges faced by black gender, transgender individuals and the city's uh, homelessness crisis. Nicole, this, this hits home twice for you. This is your home and this is your community. Yeah, and there are a number of folks in the community that are absolutely outraged by it. But, you know, this issue is the sum of many parts. Mm -hmm. um, we see transgender folks, particularly black transgender folks, dying at rates that are disproportionate to other trans folks and just, you know, other folks in our community. So that is an issue. We know that issues related to homelessness, and the challenges of the unhoused face, that is a major challenge uh, in our communities. Uh, but, you know, we also know that in this case, during that altercation, uh, you know, the weapon was drawn because there was an apparent threat, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, Brown allegedly threatened to stab the security guard multiple times mm -hmm. and lunged at him. And the black prosecutor in San Francisco uh, looked at the evidence and made the decision not to charge. And so this is the sum of many parts um, uh, that uh, the city of San Francisco has to work through, just like communities across the country. Yeah, it is so layered. And my prayer is that because of you know, the, this man or this person being transgender and all of the bias, the, the implicit bias that comes with that. I'm hoping that that did not determine why charges have not been brought against the security guard. If, in fact, there should have been. I know the tail of the tape doesn't always, you know, give it the way that we see it. But, you know, at the end of the day, whether you agree with this person's choice, how they, you know, what, what how they feel that they've been born or what body they they feel that they are they're trapped in what they're still human 
Mm -hmm. They're still human, bottom line. Yeah, and, and you know, sh the shoot first, ask questions later. I mean, how can we, you know, develop de-escalation tactics mm -hmm. where, you know, guns are drawn as an absolute last resort. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that feel like that, that gun didn't need to be drawn. The prosecutor, the black prosecutor yeah. in San Francisco felt differently. He's a judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, all at one time and, and it really goes back because security guards are a part of that culture yeah. it really goes back to maybe some more specific training sensitive yeah. training yeah well a bystander who witnessed the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis has filed a lawsuit against the city citing assault and emotional distress Donald Williams alleges that he was threatened by former police officer Derek Chauvin who kneeled on Floyd's neck as Williams expressed concern for Floyd's well-being Williams also claimed that Chauvin and another ex-officer, Tao Tao, taunted Floyd and the bystanders. The lawsuit states that Williams suffered emotional distress, pain, suffering, humiliation, and incurred unexpected medical expenses. Williams testified during Chauvin's trial where Chauvin was found guilty of murder and violating civil rights, while Tao was convicted of second-degree manslaughter. You know, and I was reading this article and I said, you know, or the story rather, and I don't, I don't want to dismiss this man's feelings. I don't want to dismiss, you know, anybody who was on scene because mm -hmm. you, you know, from afar we're watching this video and it was absolutely devastating. Could you imagine being an on-hand witness uh, to, to this George uh, Floyd murder? I, I just think the time you know, sometimes I know things get caught up in court and it takes a while for things to move through the system, but I don't want people to be so dismissive because it's happening so after the fact, if you will. I guess you have to lean into that, you know, people being traumatized is kind of a long withstanding sort of kind of emotional state. And that even though this suit seems to be kind of after the fact, um, you don't want to dismiss his feelings and it's still valid. So I'm hoping people, you know, see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And keep in mind, you know, he testified in the, uh, the trial the Chauvin trial in spring 2021, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, there's something called post-traumatic stress. Yeah. It is possible that that may be uh, the reason mm -hmm. why this case is just coming forward now, um, or it could be, and or it could be a part of the reason why uh, he feels the need to get the support that he needs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, one of the great things that we have been doing so much more of coming out of the darkest days of the pandemic is talking about mental health, you know, and uh, we've been destigmatizing that. And so mm -hmm. bravo to him for saying, you know what, you know, I, I need more resources, you know, because I'm not okay. That's right. Uh, and so, you know, kudos to him for having the courage for asking for what he and, wants. And to stick with that, because I'm sure there are going to be critics out there as that case moves along saying it's just a money grab because, you know, things happened, you know, a, a few years ago. So, you know, but you can never label anybody's uh, distress, if you will. Yeah, and money grab, I mean, that's not even, you know, a lot of money. You know, I mean, we're talking about like, what, $50,000 per count mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there are less than a handful of counts, uh, as I read. It. And so mm -hmm. this is even a million dollars that he's asking for, right? And so this isn't a lot of money, especially considering that this trauma occurred years ago. And every year as we're approaching the anniversary of the murder of George Floyd, every year emotions. this is going to continue That's to right. well up. All right, let's move along here. Sex abuse charges against R. Kelly in Minnesota have been dropped by prosecutors. The particular county uh, where the uh, district attorney is says that they cited the high likelihood of conviction, but concluded that pursuing the case would have little impact due to Kelly's federal convictions. The victim alleges that Kelly invited her to his hotel room, offered her money to undress and dance and engage in sexual activity. The decision has left the victim disappointed 
as she had hoped for closure. Now, you know, I appreciate any, any victim that's coming forward. Mm -hmm. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. And so I salute her for coming forward. Uh, I think the prosecutors uh, uh, in Hennepin County decided that R. Kelly is already under the jail based on all the, all the convictions that he has racked up. And so, you know, even if they were to, to get a conviction here, it would not translate to any more jail time. I know, and it's probably, you know, in the, in the courts are probably for them a waste of time and a waste of money. I just hate that the victim does not get to say her piece, that it does not get to play out for her and, and whatever healing uh, that might be for her to, to get her story out, for people to listen, for her to be deemed as, as credible. So so that's where I kind of feel feel sad. I get, you know, the the, the attorney saying, you know, he's been convicted. How many times can you quote unquote convict him? He'd probably be guilty. But in this case, uh, you know, we're going to move on. But I just feel for the victim that yeah. she doesn't get to tell her story. Yeah. Well, yeah. secondary market tickets for the NBA Finals are already at record highs with prices ranging from 3800 to nearly $5,200 per ticket. What? Hmm. Sources say if the Los Angeles Lakers make it to the finals, the average ticket price is estimated to be a little over $5,000. Now, if they are eliminated by the Denver Nuggets, prices will drop to a little over $4,100. The Miami Heat's home games uh, have an average ticket price of nearly $5,000, but if they lose to Bo the Boston Celtics, Prices at TD Garden will be around $3,800. $3,800 uh, ticket prices. That's a good Lord, it's a lot of money. <laughs> uh, they're expected to decrease as more tickets become available on the primary and secondary markets. Well, folks wasn't saying that when y'all were paying for Beyonce tickets. There you go. I knew you were going to bring I, You Beyonce, knew I was going to Beyonce game. Listen, last night, <laughs> uh, the Nuggets got got in that behind. The, I don't know. And the Lakers are down 2-0. It's a fascinating, you know, series. And uh, we got to see what L.A. LeBron and his Lakers are, are going to do. So I can see why those tickets are, are stupid crazy. And then, and then on the East, you know, Miami and Jimmy Butler, he always kind of rides under the radar. But he is showing up and showing out for his squad, and they are giving uh, Boston uh, the business as well. So, I mean, it's a great uh, semifinal uh, conference on, on both sides of, of the map, and uh, you're going to have to pay to play. Well, I mean, you're going to pay for a lot of tickets. I mean, you know, we are outside. <laughs> yes, we are. We, it, we are. we are outside. In, in the worst way it's sometimes. A, it's a, whether whether it's, it's sports events yeah. or, uh, or music concerts or festivals, I mean, you know, a lot of people are outside. Mm -hmm. and are willing to pay a premium mm -hmm. um, to be outside and yeah. to enjoy an experience. And I'm not mad at Especially it. Especially on the court, because if you're paying attention, you know, you have some fans paying that type of money, but they're sitting right there on the court on the, on the other side of the players on the on the bench. It is it is fascinating to me. You, you know, the camera will swing and you see the player play a player and then you see a couple of fans at the end of the bench. You're like, how does that happen? I don't remember that from back yeah. in the day. It's like really close quarters yeah. to the players. And you're going you to have to price. Yeah, you're going to have to pay for that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, the Lakers and the Celtics, they better come on. Bring it. Come on. They go in Lakers. trouble. Some teams are home. Denver. And Miami, they hungry. So, mm. I don't know. Coming up, could Ticketmaster see a new black-owned competitor? Well, we'll introduce you to the young man behind the company when we return. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report.
Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of photographer Lynn Goldsmith, stating that the Andy Warhol's publication of a Prince image violated her copyright. So the court recognized the copyright protection of the photographer's original works. Justice Alina Kagan dissented, warning that the decision could stifle creativity. That's right. The case involved Warhol using Goldsmith's photo as a reference for his artwork commissioned by Vanity Fair. The court's decision is limited to the specific licensing and does not question the legality of Warhol's creation of the Prince series. You know, and, and sometimes the, the Supreme Court and their talk can be a little highbrow, so I was like, I got to break this down because I'm not quite understanding. Back in 84, Vanity Fair and War, Warhol got together and used Goldsmith's images to come up with a, something for Prince in 84. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure he was hot, new artist. And he reimagined her photo, the photograph, the Goldsmith uh, photograph with the Warhol images, you know, that, that are he's famed for. So then fast forward to 2016, when Prince died, they used that same image. However, they changed the color to orange. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Vanity Fair is saying, well, hey, we already, you know, got permission to commission to use this. And the Supreme Court is saying, no, you can't take, you know, an original photo and just change it and not think you're going to have to pay up again. Mm -hmm. So that's really what this case is all about. And, you know, I know a, a lot of newsrooms and other publications really kept their eye on it because, you know, you can really go down for using other people's uh, property, uh, even if you've used it before. But if you reimagine it, uh, you still have to get some permission, according to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And Justice Eleni Kagan, who uh, she came out swinging yeah. when she wrote uh, the majority decision, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the dissenting decision, she said it would impede, quote, impede new art mm -hmm. and music and literature. Mm -hmm. And it would tort the expression of new ideas and the attainment of new knowledge. It will make our world poorer. Mm -hmm. That's what she said, mm -hmm. right? And so there are far-reaching ramifications for this. You know, it's not just, you know, uh, related to photographs or digital images, you know, but this impacts all of, all of the artwork. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, but Vanity Fair and them should have known better. If you're going to use it again, you at least, you know, call and say, hey, hey, is it cool if we can, and then we change it again? And you had to, you had to but know... But you know what? They probably said, we're Vanity Fair. We ain't got to do that. Now that is the truth. Ruth. Just saying. You remember that from back in the day? I you do remember don't. that. <laughs> All right. Shout out to Ruth. <laughs> She's probably a soulmate. So that could be. All right. So let's go to uh, Florida, where Disney has decided to cancel its plans to build a $1 billion office complex, uh, resulting in the loss of 2,000 white-collar jobs. The company cited, quote, changing business conditions as the reason for scrapping the Lake Nona development, which was intended to be a regional hub for parks and resorts. The decision comes amid an ongoing feud between Disney and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis over controversial legislation restricting the teaching of sexual orientation and gender identity in schools. Disney CEO Bob Iger uh, previously expressed concerns about the governor's actions and their impact on the company's investment plans in Florida. Most Americans want their employers to support efforts against racism. That's at least according to a study by the Edelman Trust Barometer. Six in 10 employees won't work for companies that don't speak out against racial injustice. Many employees feel their companies are not effectively addressing racism internally or in their communities. The failure to fund diversity initiatives is a key reason cited. 
political divisions exist with higher support for diversity efforts among Democrats compared to Republicans. Several states, including Florida, surprise, surprise, are proposing mm. bills targeting diversity programs at colleges and universities. So during uh, the, uh, the uh, racial uprising and COVID-19, you know, it was just affecting our culture um, by leaps and bounds. We had a very young newsroom, and so I took those babies. We, we I've cooked. We, they came to my house. I had a girlfriend who was just a counselor and a therapist to kind of walk them through. My company tried. They tried, but they were just a little too out of touch, a little too outside of the culture. Uh, they had a, a, a Zoom meeting, and when you when you logged on, Glory was playing uh, uh, Common and, and John Legend. And John Legend. Yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, mm -hmm. I get it. But it's they wanted it, to skip ahead to the We Shall Overcome. Uh, I get it, but but this is so different and so unprecedented. You, you're going to have to come with more and be better prepared. And I just thought that that was a moment failed yeah. for that particular company. And you know, as one of the elders in the newsroom, uh, who's been you know in news long mm -hmm. enough to deal with such craziness, with the exception of the pandemic, that was unprecedented to gather those young people and really support yeah. them in a way that they they couldn't they weren't supported on the job front because they the job front just wasn't prepared for. Like I mean, that. it reminds me of, you know, organizations that, you know, I've worked with in the past where, you know, they would label them as courageous conversations. Mm. And I always wondered, well, courageous for whom? Mm. You know, and courageous to what end? You know, like, is this sort of just a, supposed to be a feel-good session, event session, or, you know, are we actually willing to re-examine some of our assumptions and operate a little bit differently? And so, you know, what was surprising to me is that about 62% of them said that they wanted to work for a company uh, that at their best, you know, it's doing their best to address racial justice. Why is it not 100%? Mm. Considering all that we have been through as a country since our inception, considering what we have been through throughout this pandemic, racial uh, disparities laid bare, why still only 62%? Well, why did the GM feel that playing Glory <laughs> was going to work and set the tone <laughs> for that Zoom meeting? I don't know. I hope they do better. Man, listen. Uh, Avante Price and Eli Taylor Lemire, young black entrepreneurs, dropped out of NYU to launch Posh, an online event management and ticketing platform. Now, they recently raised $5 million in funding. That's not bad to expand their operations. Posh offers customization options for event organizers along with ticketing and marketing tools. Now, the platform has already gained half a million users and processed $30 million in ticket sales. Its global reach and rapid growth indicate its potential for future success. You know, shout out to these brothers, yeah. you know, for daring to dream. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they dropped out at NYU. You know, NYU is a great school mm -hmm. um, and because they really believe in their idea and they're trying to revolutionize the event management industry, which, you know, is uh, open to disruption. I say it's open for the taking because remember, again, going back to the darkest days of the pandemic, mm -hmm. it transformed the way we do event management. That's you right. know, virtual events, the technology to be able to do quality mm -hmm. virtual events, that has completely changed in just a few years. And yeah. so, you know, uh, I'm surprised that they only have $5 million, and hopefully after this being featured on Fox Soul's Black Report, that will at least double. Yeah, for the taking, I love you make that point, because listen, after what, the Taylor Swift, the Beyonce, a few other debacles, uh, maybe Adele, when, when folks were you know, rushing online to purchase these tickets, and the disgruntlement to whereas the government had to step in and say, hey, you know, these other to these platforms, y'all got to get this together. And so for these guys to have come up with this mastermind, that could 
and somewhat uh, compete with or maybe bring to shame some of these big, you know, uh, platforms that have been around, trusted platforms that have been around forever, uh, they better watch it because because these brothers are coming for them for sure. Especially if, if the patrons, if the customers, uh, you know, seem to trust that process more than the other ones that have sort of kind of left them empty handed at times. We love to see it. Yeah. Well, Jamaica and Colombia have been added to the list of countries with travel warnings issued by the United States. Haiti received a do not travel advisory due to widespread kidnapping, while Jamaica received a reconsider travel advisory. Jamaica has been dealing with gang violence and the State Department has warned about high homicide rates and ineffective local police response. Colombia faces political unrest and crime with caution advised for travelers due to terrorism and civil unrest risks. Public areas, including transportation hubs and hotels, are potential targets for attacks. Yeah, you know, for me, I would do, you know, a little bit more research and see if there's a particular part of Jamaica that yeah. they're suggesting you don't go to, because, you know, Jamaica, you know, that's their bread and butter, is is the, is the tourists, is us heading over there to, to, to party or vacation, honeymoon, get married or whatever. So, you know, I would take a look at are there particular areas. I know sometimes they say Kingston, which is on the other side of the island, people mostly do, uh, Montego Bay, Mm -hmm. uh, which are on one side of the island that seem to be uh, much safer and more catered to tourists. Kingston is a big old city with issues just like cities here, you know, in the States and, and abroad. So I would do a little bit more research. I don't think your 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 summer vacation is a wreck, um, but I would take heed and just do a little bit more research. Yeah, I think I think you're right, because quite frankly, if they're doing research on us, mm -hmm. there are some cities here uh, in the United States where they, they may not want to do their summer visit. travel here. Right? That's right. That's right. And so, we, you know, so you're right. I think we've got to be a bit more responsible. Mm -hmm. in terms of how we uh, how they issue these advisories mm -hmm. and how we report on these advisories That's because true. we know the, the tourism industry is a major industry mm -hmm. in these countries and so we want to make sure that we're not giving people misleading information. Yeah, and not only for travel, but when they mentioned Colombia, uh, a lot of young soulmates, a lot of soulmates are going over there for mm -hmm. procedures, uh, cosmetic yeah. procedures, so you know that that whole visit is, is layered with a lot of other concerns and so you really just have to read read, research, ask questions, Google before you take your behind on over there to do whatever. Google is your friend. That's right. All right, still ahead, Forrest Whitaker is giving back, but not, speaking of the states, not, not here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, he ain't. When we return, we'll tell you where the actor is doing charitable work. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, Northwestern University is planning on changing the name of its African-American Studies Department, but it's not mm -hmm. what you think. So the university is changing the name from African-American Studies Department to Black Studies. The renaming of the department highlights the breadth of its scholarship and teaching. That's a quote. That's right. The university made a statement saying in part, Quotes, African-American studies is typically understood to center the United States, but the department explores the formations of race and blackness in places including Africa, Europe, the Caribbean, and Latin America. 
The renaming of the department highlights the breadth of its scholarship and teaching. Yes, the change is expected to become official in the 2023-24 semester following the approval of the school's board of trustees. I think this is great. I mean, there, I are, no, there, so are, there are a number of schools out there that have black studies mm -hmm. uh, departments for that reason, right? Uh, black being a bit more universal, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I personally identify as African-American, more specifically Ghanaian-American, mm -hmm. because my father's from Ghana, my mom is black-American, but that's not everybody's story. Right. So everybody's not technically African-American, mm -hmm. you know, but everybody uh, is black, mm -hmm. right? Whether you are a black Parisian uh, or, you know, a black, you know, uh, Cuban or black from, you know, wherever. And so I love that it, it shines a light on the richness of the black diaspora. And I love the, the the freedom and the diversity of it all because you know on my on my dad's side it's that traditional from the south migration mm -hmm. up story from, from Reynolds, Georgia. And my mom's side, they're from uh, the West Indies. Mm -hmm. My great grandfather who I knew came through Ellis Island, but I, I'm just more comfortable with black. Just give me black. And so that's why I really can appreciate uh, Northwestern University who is like the Ivy, Ivy League of, of the Big Ten um, to just you know, just call a spade a spade, if you will. And I just appreciate the effort. And hopefully, you know, some of these other universities will just take note as, as the motivation behind this name change. And uh, we'll see what happens because I definitely think it counteracts some of the other activity and some of the other, you know, rhetoric that's that's out there. And I think it also informs the thinking of, of the kind of stories that we like to bring to our soulmates mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right here on The Black Report, you know? <laughs> right. Um, because there are stories that we report on from the Caribbean, from Europe, mm -hmm from other parts of the world, mm -hmm. um, you know, because our black diaspora is so rich. And mm -hmm. so what do we like to say on this show? Black folks are not a what? Monolith. That's right. We're not one I thing. Think we, I think we killed that thing. We're the sum of many things. We're going <laughs> to yeah. keep saying it. No. All righty. Uh, you want me to take it? Go ahead. All right. The actor uh, has officially um, inaugurated his uh, peace and development initiative. We're talking about Forrest Whitaker here for the people of France. The initiative is meant to bring business uh, communication and conflict resolution skills to the young people of France's poorest region. Uh, this is the ninth country where his non-governmental organization organization operates. You see him there, Forrest Whitaker, which includes his work with children, soldiers in Uganda, where uh, his NGO is also present. Look, there is plenty of work to go around the world, mm -hmm. you know, and clearly he feels a special connection to this part of the world. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's they're not just talking about it, but he's doing something about it. And as I understand it, France is not the only place where his, his nonprofit operates. And so, yeah, there are black Parisians there. Mm -hmm. There are black folks from the diaspora, Uganda and other places that are there. Um, and you know, years ago, I think, you know, he won an Academy Award for uh, playing the, uh, the dictator mm -hmm. uh, of, of Uganda. Uh, and, and so I'm not surprised that there is a personal connection or a personal affinity to that part of the world, which may have a significant Ugandan yeah. community. We were just talking about sports. If you look up and down the, the court in particular, you have black players from all across the world. Just recently, the number one draft pick is a 7'5 uh, kid from France, black kid from, from France. So, so there's your example right there. And you know, listen, Oprah did the same thing years mm -hmm. and years and years ago. A lot of people criticized 
ambassador for opening schools for girls over in Africa. Well, why not here in the U.S.? And if I can remember correctly, I remember Oprah saying something like, listen, there's so much opportunity here in America that folks don't even take advantage of. And she wanted to take her efforts over to Africa, but there is slim to none. I, and I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. that. But uh, yeah, so, you know, international efforts um, are, are, are uh, praised and, and congratulations to Forrest Whitaker on his continued efforts. That's right. Yeah. Well, congratulations are in order for the co-founder of Black Voters Matter, Latasha Brown. Brown received her flowers as an advocate for equality during the prestigious Ms. Foundation Women of Vision Award Gala. Brown, a co-founder of the voting rights group Black Voters Matter, posted a picture on Instagram of herself receiving the award at the luxurious Ziegfeld Ballroom in Manhattan. Brown wrote in the caption, quotes, I'm so honored to be one of the recipients of the 2023 Women of Vision Awards. And Tupac Shakur Way is coming to a street in Oakland. The late hip hop icon Tupac Shakur will forever be remembered in the city with a street named in his honor. The city council's unanimous decision came earlier this week. The legislation said this street name change will recognize his contributions to Oakland and celebrate art and culture as a catalyst for societal change. At this moment, there has been no announced timeline on when fans will see the Keep Your Head Up artists name on street signs. Your neck of the woods, Nicole. We love to see it. We love to see it. You know, Tupac continues to mean so much mm -hmm. to so many generations. And I think his music has really stood the test of time. Um, a lot of people have just been celebrating the Dear Mama uh, documentary series on mm -hmm. FX, uh, calling it, you know, one of the best series, docu-series that they've released in a long time. And so, you know, it's good to see you know, Tupac being remembered in this way. I know uh, family members in Oakland are uh, proud to see it. I would have thought maybe a street was already named after him. You know, he a lot of his career and his rise happened in the Bay Area to, so, to sometimes to the point where you forget he's from the other side of the of, mm -hmm. the, of the map, that being uh, Baltimore. So I'm surprised there hasn't been, you know, and maybe something slipped in my mind that there hasn't been a street already, you know, named after him. But uh, congratulations to his legacy as, yeah. as we continue to celebrate it and, and live in it. He's definitely one of the culture's uh, biggest icons. That's for right. Sure. That's right. Coming up, the future is looking blurry for NBA star Jay Moran. Uh, when we return, find out the latest uh, company to cut ties with the uh, NBA superstar. That's on the way, soulmates. Stay close. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. Well, Lizzo recently opened up about her thoughts on fitness. In a recent TikTok, Lizzo highlighted a video posted by a plus-size content creator. Now, in the original video, she says she desires to find a community or like-minded fat people. <laughs> the creator says she wants to work out for overall health and wellness and not to escape fatness. Lizzo uh, stitched the video on her TikTok page in support while, sa while saying, quote, heavy on the not trying to escape fatness. Uh, com uh, and yeah, I, I, I agree. I know that working out is good for you, especially for heart health. Uh -huh. But man, that thing there, working out, getting all sweaty and stuff. Ugh. 
But you, I mean, I actually, yeah. I actually don't see how the two are mutually exclusive. I mean, if you're if you're working out and you're paying attention to your wellness, it's about being your best self. Right. So I think sometimes we hyper focus on what's the number on the scale, or you know, what size can I fit into? And what we know is sometimes you may be able to to, to fit into a desired size, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the healthiest heart health or mm-hmm. or other areas of health. And so you know, I think that's the message that. that Lizzo is offering. Yeah. If that is the message that Lizzo is offering, then I'm with her. Well, I think it's it's individual by individual. Cause I can go. To, I just had you know a physical, and you know according to that chart, I am obese and just about to die tomorrow. You're talking about the BMI. Yeah. So or it's um you know and it's and and, and I am supposed to have all of these uh, issues, but when you look at my you know numbers. I'm very, very healthy. It's so I just think it's it's an individual thing. I think it might even be a, a cultural thing. There's this movement across social media where the folks are like, let's see all the, the 200 pound, you know, healthy, you know, fit girls. And you, we, we all know that in other cultures, 200 pounds is 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 a mess, if you will. But, you know, over this way, that could be, you know, a, just a, a healthy person who carries it nicely. And it just depends on your shape, your your your, your structure and Sometimes your height. I feel like if I was a few inches taller, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd be getting some. You'd be getting runway, Courtney. At five three, it just it's like a short stack. It just doesn't work out all that well. But I'm okay with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, look, look. It's it's each one, teach mm-hmm. one. Do the best you can. Yeah. Do the best you can. You know, I've talked about cardiovascular related health issues on both sides of my mm-hmm. family, and you know, look, I'm not necessarily trying to be on the cover of Men's Health, though. Wouldn't mind it. I can't tell call, all that swimming. You went to the gym early in the morning the other day. All yeah. the swimming. You had your you had your meals all Walk lined up. Like you trying to man. be on GQ or something. <laughs> I'm walking around like ten men because yeah. I'm so stiff but, from doing that hit workout. But to to your credit, you know. A lot of people sometimes don't understand that the, the camera puts a lot of weight on you. That's it why sure sometimes does. when you see people in person, they're like, "You're not that big." I want to say, "I know." I keep trying to tell you, I'm not bigger. But um, you know, that's our battle sometimes. It is. But you've been doing really well. Thank I want to you. commend you. You've been inspiring me. I guess I get, you know, to the gym sooner or later. You're with me in spirit. Probably later, and I'll stay with you in spirit, too. The <laughs> National Labor Relations Board has certified a vote by dancers at a North Hollywood topless bar, and now they are the only strippers in the nation to be represented by a union. That's right. The workers at the Star Garden Topless Dive Bar voted <laughs> unanimously to unionize with the Actors' Equity Association. They are now parts of more than 51,000 professional actors and stage managers across the nation. One of the dancers says they appreciate the support and solidarity from the club's patrons, allies, and friends. Mm -hmm. All right, we love to see it. Look, uh, P-Valley, if P-Valley hasn't done anything else, it has helped to humanize the lives and the struggles of adult dancers, and of exotic dancers. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think that probably helped a little bit in helping to get them over the edge, hearing more stories, whether they're fiction or nonfiction, more stories of, of the lives of exotic dancers. And that's work, too. A lot of people think it's just fun and games. That's work. The artistry of it all. 
I wish I could climb up to the top of a pole and swing down and stop midway and spin around with my with my toes pointing north and south. I wish I could do it. It's an art. They are like gymnasts to me, and some of them are amazing. Mm-hmm. And it and it is. They need to be unionized because they need to be protected because it is dangerous work. You remember not too long ago, the lady was up at the top, you know, and she fell all the way down. And I think she has some major injuries, but she just kept doing her thing. I mean, so why not have some protection? And our our, our producer at the EP was uh, executive producer. What do you call them? Street ballerinas? I'll give it to him. <laughs> that works for me. I just think they're artists. You yeah, know, aside from all the drama and all the seedy darkness that sometimes comes along with being a dancer or a stripper. But that comes along in every industry. No doubt. That's why I'm saying the artistry yeah. of it all and, and how they need to be covered and protected. I'm down. I'm, Unionize. I'm down too. And Unionize. The, and this is also a part of a movement where we're seeing a lot more um, uh, efforts by organized labor mm. to protect more workers. And so mm-hmm. whether we're talking about, you know, exotic dancers or we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, students uh, and faculty and researchers at universities or we're talking about warehouse workers. You know, or we're talking about writers who are picketing right now in Hollywood. I mean, you know, right now you have uh, everyday workers, ordinary people that are saying we want to partake in the prosperity in these industries uh, as we should. And they're also saying that we want to have the safety protections uh, that we should be entitled to as workers. There's something going around social media. That's why I was laughing. And and the guy was like, "Uh, aren't bottle girls just Juco strippers? (laughs) <laughs> junior college strippers. It's the funniest thing uh, going across the internet nowadays, and it ran across my mind as we were talking. However, yeah, everybody in that industry deserves to be protected. That's right. That's right. Well, Nike has removed Grizzly star Jay Morant's sneakers from its website as of Thursday. It's the latest fallout for Morant, who uh, has been suspended after a second video surfaced showing him holding another gun. Uh, Nike Nike stood by Morant uh, back in March when he was suspended for eight games following a similar incident. Nike has not commented publicly on the latest video. I think they just made their 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 uh, wishes be known or their their take on his issues be known. He did it to himself. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, he has become such a distraction in such a short period of time. He went from having everybody rooting for him, rooting for him to get a second chance. And we certainly believe in second chances here at Fox Souls Black Report. You know, but look at how he squandered that. And mm-hmm. for what? Mm-hmm. For what? Flashing your gun on on a, on an Instagram live, you know, to you know, barely a hundred people that were streaming that at the moment, as I understand it. And for what? Mm-hmm. For what? You know, and so, you know, we still root for him to turn the corner here, but he's got to want it more than we want it. I agree. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the fallout is this time, if, if people will rally, you know, behind him, uh, because now, you know, with this second in- incident, it just really undermines the, the first go around, the apologies, all of the uh, counseling that he said he, he went through. And, you know, how sincere, you know, were you uh, with carelessly and recklessly allowing this to happen? And then you need to switch up your friends. You know, y'all in the car, y'all riding out and you know that this gun is in your possession. Why would you turn on uh, the, the alive? 
you know, why? So it's just all, all the way around. It's just uh, not a good look. And uh, I don't know if he needs to be removed from that environment, remove him. So I don't, I don't know what needs to happen, but he is about to just throw his career away. And like I said the other day, he is positioned and postured to be one of the next best great to ever do it, John Morant. That's how heavy he is up and down yeah. that court. And to throw that away, that would be really sad. This is the time where his support system needs to activate. His parents, his mentors, everybody needs to activate because there's something underneath all of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, my husband likes to say is if it shows up you know, anywhere it shows up everywhere, yeah. right? And so chances are this kind of poor judgment and behavior are, is showing up in other areas of his life. And so this is the time he needs his support system to activate, otherwise he just might lose it all. What could it be? You know, good parents, good home, good background. Good, what could it be? The propensity to want to be this gangster. What? What is it? You know, we got to figure Facade, it out. Is he's it pre pressure, peer pressure? I don't know. What got, is he's, it? You got to figure it out. Yeah. All right. It's being called the joke that cost two million dollars after China is taking action against a comedy firm for a recent skit. That's right. A joke by Chinese stand-up comedian make a loose reference to a slogan used to describe the country's military. But in 2021, a law was passed to prevent slander against military personnel. The comedian and company behind him has since apologized numerous times, but China wants their money. See, you can, oh. play, you can play those reindeer games here in the U.S. because we have something called the freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can't play over those games uh, over in communist China. Over that way? Don't do it to yourself. They're, they're not having it. Joe, Joe can't help you there. They're not having it. I'm just saying. Yeah. And, and which really is why, you know, regardless of all that we are going through, and regardless of how much America might get on your nerves, isn't it fascinating how people still see it as the land of uh, opportunity, the land of, you know, free speech and so on and so forth. So I know sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, as Americans, we, ha we have a tendency to, to stay more embattled than, mm -hmm. than not. Um, but from, from, from over, over, over yonder, mm -hmm. they still see America as that deal. But you they know, really do. But, you know, it's, it's important to note for our soulmates that, you know, what he's facing is not all that different from what we've seen black comedians facing. Mm -hmm. So Kevin Hart, for example, had, had traveled to Egypt mm -hmm. and, you know, was was referring to them as black. And, you know, we know the uh, kerfuffle that ensued with the uh, Cleopatra documentary. The what? Uh, the black Cleopatra <laughs> documentary. No, I'm right? talking about kerfuffle. Y you know, we <laughs> <laughs> yes, the kerfuffle. Okay, you professor. Know, <laughs> we know, you know that Egypt didn't like that. They didn't like that Cleopatra was being depicted as black. They didn't like that Kevin Hart was referring when to them Egypt as black. When Egypt can prove to me that they're not in Africa, then I'm, I'm, I'll be down. I'm, but until Egypt can prove that they are not a part of Africa, <laughs> then miss me with whatever they talking about. And, and I know it's a cultural thing, being West Indian, you know, you are just conditioned, lighter is better. You know what I'm saying? I get it, I, I get all of that stereotypes, I get all the implicit, but I get it. But Egypt is in Africa. It, 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 it sure is, and I hope, you all, African. I hope all of our Egyptian soulmates uh, 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 join us in, in clarifying for yeah. the world. But when you walk up in their uh, salons, in particular in Chicago, Egyptian salons were really big. You walk up in there and, to, and, and you know, a black woman to do, you know, our hair, they don't have a problem. You know, I mean, you, you, 
I mean, there are a lot of Egyptian salons, Egyptian-based yeah. salons, just like they're Dominican-based salons. In Chicago, they're Egyptian salons, and they do the blowouts and stuff like that. And they don't have a problem with you and your culture and being black and them fitting in to do your hair and take your money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, outside of that, then, then you know, you got a problem with it? Look, anti-blackness. They tap into the culture when they want to. Anti-blackness is real, and when we are abroad, it's not uh, protected. Mm -hmm. We're not protected by the First Amendment mm -hmm. when we go abroad, right? Mm -hmm. And so we just got to be on our P's and Q's. And so it's not just uh, this comedian, but there are lots of comedians that are impacted by this. Yeah. There are a lot of folks that are feeling like, you know, they've got to watch what they say, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, you got this cancel culture going, you got, you know, the hyper, uh, you know, partisanship that is afoot. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially when you travel abroad, all bets are off. Mm -hmm. But you just can't be African when it's convenient or not convenient, that's all I'm saying. That got in your crawl, didn't it? It did, because mm -hmm. most of their clientele are black women. And, you know, and and the and the uh, people, the owners were Egyptian. I think so. You, you, should, you black men. I think you should record a public service announcement on this. Up next, our favorite <laughs> black excellence segment, and today it features an entire family. That's right. We'll tell you what all four children, what all four children, That's amazing, were able to accomplish when we return. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. Welcome back to Fox Hole's Black Report. Kanette Haynes, a mother of four from Spartanburg, South Carolina. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, they're celebrating her kids simultaneously graduating this year. So back in 2007, the family moved from Florida to South Carolina with the hopes to give their children better opportunities. Xavier is 29. He's set to graduate from medical uh, from the Medical University of South Carolina. He wants to be a pediatrician. Charity is 23. She graduated with her nursing degree and is on track to become an RN. Harmony is 21. She graduated with a degree in biology. She wants to be a dentist. And Jimmy, I think you saw there was the youngest. Uh, he's graduating from high school and will go on to study uh, mechatronics, whatever that is, uh, in the fall. Yeah, mom wow. says she is extremely proud and looks forward to a bright future. Now, look, we mm. just reported on the fact that we need more black folks in healthcare professions. Mm -hmm. We need more black STEM, engineers, STEM. right? Uh, and this one family, who knew this one family was going to do it all? Gamut. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love to see it. This is this is really extraordinary, yeah. and you know, especially some good news coming out of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And when they moved, they just wanted their children, and and they wanted they said more freedom. So I, you know, and 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 less uh, congestion. Mm -hmm. So whatever whatever area they were in in Florida, they just thought it thought it wasn't conducive to the betterment, if you will, of their children. They said when they got to um, South Carolina. They settled in very quickly uh, into their new schools, respective schools, and just and just went at it. She's extremely proud um, and just looking forward to the future and their journey and how this really shifts the legacy of their family. The dad had to take on a whole bunch of jobs to support support a family of, of six. And, uh, you know, when parents sacrifice, that's that's what the sacrifice is for. We wouldn't be here if our parents didn't sacrifice. I know that's right. Because how many are in your family? Uh, there is five of us all together. And you're the only girl. Uh-huh, oldest of four. And there's five. Oldest of three. And there's five of us in my family, mm -hmm. all boys. I'm the youngest of five. No, there's six of us. I'm the oldest of four. Yeah, only girl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Point being, mm -hmm. big families with uh, everybody yeah. doing pretty well. But, you know, I, I felt like I should have been the oldest and the only. 
because the three others. Oh eh, Lord, eh, could have oh, done without Lord. that. Oh Lord, <laughs> we got we got to invite Dr. Phil back next week. Uh, my dad, <laughs> Dr. Phil my daddy, Roundtree, we got to invite him back name, to unpack that. If you knew my full name, clearly you would know that my dad wanted a boy. I drove my daddy nuts. I sure did. You gotta tell the people. In a good kind of way. What? You remember the name? Courtney Aaron. They wanted a boy for sure. And I gave it to my daddy. I was a brat. For the full rundown <laughs> on today's stories and more, in a good kind of way. Can you be a good brat? You can access Fox Souls video on demand on any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other black centered content. And don't forget to download the Fox Soul app. It is absolutely free. What are you gonna do this weekend? I am going to to again be on no I take that back we got to repot some flowers I need to go get another air fryer uh -huh. and I'm going to go to somebody's um what do you call that when you go and it's like bulk and I'm just going to get a big box of frozen seafood like oh, crab you, you legs like Costco? something like that okay. crab legs all in good so stuff. you throwing a party this weekend for me because I okay cause I didn't see yeah. my invitation because my husband really doesn't eat that stuff but for me okay because yeah. you know I'm staying here in Detroit okay this weekend I get that for me uh, you know, black folks don't we, share. See, we, we don't we, share. We, we don't share shrimp and crab. We <laughs> you can, you so, get so you get some wing dings. So, I'll make you some wing dings in the air fryer, but you're not getting those. So basically, shrimp. you're saying that's not an us gift. Exactly. That's an inside joke. Check social media for that. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelia Corte on behalf of the entire team here at Fox Souls Black Report. Stay lifted and stay safe. <laughs> you can have some wing dings and some spaghetti. You know, that's an us gift. That's an us gift? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can have my seafood. I can't have that.